Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's do this. I'm going yeah, to do a big yawn. Oh, oh, there we go. Fine. Right. It's fine. Well, that's going right at the beginning of the podcast. Excellent. Starting me doing no a great way. big yawn and stretch. <laughs> There's oh. no way Rockville will, will keep that out. <laughs> right. Stand by. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the newly repaired Victorian cider press that is Robert Wilson, and with me I have the worn out old screw we desperately need to replace that is... Angela Barnes. And Thanks the for last that, Robert. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Worth waiting for. Yeah. And the last part of this very special Grundy Cider Club, folks, is you. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Vicky Cole. Thanks, Vicky. Angela, if someone wants to send us a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction. Or if you have a growing interest in the lost industries of the Felpersham Canal, then call us on 0203 031 3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her brilliant voices, Mike Hatton for his character counts, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. Um, Derek actually came along to our Brighton meetup on Saturday, although he was quite late after he got lost and ended up in a notorious leather bar. Anyway, he came in in the end and admits he rather enjoyed the big hand he received on his entrance. Oh, oh! <laughs> now this week's yeah. <laughs> this week's episode, we hear views from young Keith. Father Kevin, who's a new caller, Christopher, Ash, Dr. Nicola Headlam, no less, and emails from Chris and Fiona. But first, before the calls, let's brace ourselves for Angela Barnes's Week in Ambridge. (laughs) 
We started this week with the worst parenting decision since Cinderella's dad decided to remarry as Adam let Kate disappear <laughs> with Xander to clean his chakras or something. Now, look, I might not be a parent, but I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't trust Kate to look after my houseplants. Uh, I'd expect her at I'd expect her to at least leave the baby on a bus, bearing in mind she managed to leave her own kids on another continent. <laughs> and Kate appears to be getting broody. God help us. Although, thinking about it, I think a Jacob and Kate offspring could make for an interesting future character arc. Some sort of narcissistic Ooh. vegan serial killer. Uh <laughs> Elsewhere, Lizzie is making plans for Deck the Hall at Lower Loxley. I get really excited about Deck the Hall because I bloody love a Christmas market. I love that stuff. Um, I'm not sure when Christmas here got so German, but that's uh, that's a thing now, isn't it? A German Christmas market, loads of wooden huts selling foreign food, like sort of outdoor Lidls. Uh, I wonder... <laughs> I wonder if you go to Bavaria and there's an English Christmas market, just a bloke in a Santa hat selling three lighters for a fiver. I don't know. But I <laughs> I think she's worrying too much about Deck the Hall because we all love a rubbish winter wonderland. Like, they're the best ones, aren't they? Where you can see Rudolph having a fag out the back and where the Father Christmas <laughs> looks more like a father for justice. Anyway, Liz wondered whether Linda might like to help put on a play or something to liven up Deck the Hall, but Linda refused, um, saying she has a thirst for different challenges now. Her interests have gone from Geoffrey Chaucer to Geoffrey Boycott, and she seems determined to learn all things cricket. I've never understood cricket. I don't I don't get it. I don't, or golf, Angela, you disappeared a little bit there. Oh, hello. Where did I get up to? You disappeared a little bit there. That's right. Uh, you, you got hear up me now? to uh, Linda. Lin- yeah, Linda. Okay disappearing should i go back a bit uh i mean this will all go yeah, in please. won't it so um you know smooth smooth this is uh linda refused to help uh, saying that she's now got a thirst for different challenges her interests have gone from jeffrey chaucer to jeffrey boycott and she seems determined to learn all things cricket uh personally i've never understood cricket or golf i can't i don't think you can call something a sport if you can do it wearing a jumper but maybe that's just me <laughs> um besides lizzie you don't need a play you've got your alcohol license back now that's all you need to get a christmas fair going with a swing you just need to mull everything that's the best bit about christmas the mulling i love mold stuff why why do we only do it at christmas i've had mold wine mold cider mold vodka i went to a winter wonderland in <laughs> croydon once mold wkd brilliant <laughs> now this week my heart really went out to poor basil the boar in this current post mm. me too climate i'm horrified that people still can't just accept that no means no leave the poor bugger alone <laughs> and then toby went to kate for advice on how to jolly up basil's libido kate why would you go to kate if you want to get a pig excited everyone knows the person you go to is rebecca Luz. <laughs> Remember that? I don't know if people will get that reference, but um, tweet me and I'll tell you. (laughs) Uh, Kate refused to help on grounds of her veganism and surprisingly not on grounds of it just being fucking mental. So instead, Toby improvised with a lemon-scented citronella candle in Basil's sty, as if lemon-scented candles are going to work. If things that smelt lemon fresh made you horny, nobody would ever finish cleaning their bathrooms. Eventually, it turned out that Toby fed Basil half a barrel of rotting cider apples, which fermented in his stomach and got him tipsy, but ultimately did the trick. And in my experience of sleeping with pigs, of which I have much, getting them pissed certainly does increase their libido, (laughs) but luckily not their ability to do anything with it. So I'm not sure we're going to have too many baby buzzles coming along just yet. (sighs) 
Uh, Eddie and Edward headed off to Lower Loxley looking for a screw. Well, if it weren't for Roy Tucker. <laughs> no, they're there at the Borsetshire Bygones display where Oliver has tipped them off that they might find the missing bit they need for their knackered cider press to work. Eventually, Lizzie agrees that they can have a screw as long as they film it. Hey, we've all been there. <laughs> Over at Beechwood, Philip's up a ladder installing some bird feeders. What is it with the archers and ladders recently? Are they being sponsored by the <laughs> health and safety executive? Kirsty kept cooing about baby Zander. Understandable, given what she's been through. And how does Philip sensitively respond to it when she admits that Zander is the first baby she's been able to be around since she lost hers? Well, he starts off by making it pretty clear he doesn't want babies, and then he immediately makes it clear that he would, however, like to take the wine upstairs and do the thing that definitely creates the babies that he definitely doesn't want. <laughs> yes, that's the sort of head out. <laughs> Philip sensitively done. Nice one. <laughs> then there was some business with Joy Horville, asking for help with their electrics, and Kirsty and Philip getting locked out of their house and having to spend time with her until they could get back in. And I think we're supposed to feel sorry for them, but I think I might be on Team Joy. I mean, Christ, I'd rather spend the night watching videos of her granddaughter's tap dancing than hear Kirsty's views on the proliferation of Swifts. I think Joy's just a bit lonely. I, I can feel one of those sort of annoying busybody ends up becoming an Ambridge treasure a la Linda Snell patterns coming on. And at the moment, I'm struggling to see a point to Joy other than she's just a bloody annoying woman. And I'd rather we just skip that and get in, get straight into making her a rounded and sympathetic character, which she's bound to eventually be. The way Joy's being portrayed right now feels old and hack and just a bit sexist. Sorry. Uh, Roy went and said goodbye to Lexi in the shepherd's hut and gave her a signed horror book, which I suppose is as good a parting <laughs> gift as any. Clintons have yet to nail the sorry you're leaving again after telling me you love me but inexplicably deciding not to be with me before having a baby for my neighbours who you barely know without any thought to what that might do to my feelings. <laughs> Greetings, cards. <laughs> and finally this week we said goodnight to Joe Grundy who I think might have had the best death you could ever hope for. 98 years old, and he spent his last night pissed on homemade cider and taking the mickey out of his mates. The only way that could have been a better Joe Grundy death is if he had a ferret up his trouser leg and Bert Fry in a friendly headlock. I'm going to miss <laughs> your voice, Joe Grundy. I was talking about him with my boyfriend, who doesn't listen to the archers, and uh, he asked me to describe who Joe Grundy was. And I said, you know when when you take the mickey out of the archers, you do that voice that you think everyone in the archers talks with. I said, that's Joe Grundy. And uh, so in homage to the great man, I'm going to be spending the rest of this week calling everyone by their full name. So over to you, Robert Wilson. Well, thank you, Angela Barnes. <laughs> oh, 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 no, that was more like that. It's a bit like the Vicar of Debbie, that. It was a bit easy no, but yes, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone knew what I was trying to do. Oh, I've spent did. half the weekend trying to be Brian the Camel in the local pantomime. More of that later. Oh. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Angela. Um, yeah, Roy and Lexi. I'm... Yeah. I don't, it's, it's, none of it rings true to me. The surrogacy just, I know it's been talked about a lot on Dumpty Dum, so particularly over the last few weeks, but I, I just, don't think she would have done it. She did, She barely knew them. I don't know. Maybe I'm being cruel, but w would you jeopardise a healthy relationship that you're in to help some people that you barely know have a baby? I don't know. No, that, that just sounds really odd. Unless, yeah, unless, unless she were doing truly... it for money, but she wasn't doing it for money. So, you know, it, well, it just I doesn't mean there is. 
There is such a thing as true altruism, though, isn't there? That you don't do it for the people, you do it for the good it creates. But yeah, it's if you're but mm. if you were going to do that, like pick a a nice couple <laughs> to do it for. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, I would if I was going to gift somebody with a child they were longing for, I'd want somebody less tedious than Adam to be a parent. Yeah, because it's oh, you wouldn't want to saddle, uh, you know, a. a a, a, a sperm with him or his sperm with, with an egg and produce something that, oh, I don't know what I'm talking uh, about there. Can I start yeah. that again? Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't want to saddle yeah. some poor some poor child with him as a father for the next Exactly, years, so. exactly. I'm sure there's more deserving people out there who are wanting to be parents. And he doesn't seem... I mean, he was never that keen, was he? And then well, the first, the first... opportunity he's got, he's off to, yeah. off to Kate. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, Ian has one shower and Adam's handed the baby over <laughs> and to... suddenly... Baby's gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's insane. I was thinking that. I just thought, And he said, oh, we need to tidy the house. And you think... Oh. Listen, the, yeah. the house isn't untidy when it's three weeks old. It's when it's three years old and, yeah. you know, you, it's wall-to-wall Lego bricks. Exactly. It's like, mate, you're not going to have a nappy. tidy house for 15 years. Get used to it. That's... Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, they, don't, yeah. do they, they don't have a cleaner, do they? They should... I would have thought they'd have a cleaner. Oh, I'm they? sure they do. I'm sure they must do. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to pay a cleaner extra if you have a, a baby, don't you? I don't know. We wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. But no. I just, none no. of that, you know, rang true. And then Kate disappearing with the baby and, yeah. Who's I quite up? like the Kate and the pig and her, and yeah. her um, annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of those very silly things the scriptwriters put in every now and then. that you, it, It's sort of frustrating, but we allow it because it's quite funny. When, yeah. when those two people are talking at cross purposes that just would never happen in real life because you'd be like, are you asking me to wank off a pig? You know, you'd be, you'd be straight in there with, <laughs> hang on a minute, what are you asking me to do here? Um, but... Yeah, those sort of, when, you know, when she was just like, oh, Toby, is it your friend Basil, is it? You know, that it's, that's what the art, what we love the archers for, isn't it? The sort of gently amusing silliness like that. Yeah, well, there was, there was, I was involved in um, a bit of a Twitter uh, thread uh, regarding uh, artificial insemination uh, of the porcine variety. Right. Because. Oh, sorry, I haven't my turned fret- my phone off. Let me. Um, Sorry, no, it's very. Oh, I have turned it off. Why is stuff coming through? Naughty phone. I don't That's know. Weird. Oh, it's coming through on my uh, on my laptop. That's why. Yeah. Sorry. So anyway, um, I had I had a friend who um, he was a, a geneticist by uh, trade, doctor of genetics, mm. and uh, for I was about to say for work experience or, or day release or whatever. He he went to work. Uh, as part of his his research on a pig farm, and it it was his job um, to how can I say to take the pig in hand. <laughs> I think I said it and, more coarsely earlier, but <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so he had to toss off a, a, a pig, oh. uh, and he 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 went into very very uh, precise detail on how to do this. Uh, but which I'm not going oh, to go no. into now. But he did wear a glove. Well, but, um, other than it that, it's it probably was... not 
that very hands on. Because one thing I do know about pigs um, from a book of facts I had when I was a child um, is mm-hmm. that their penises are corkscrew shaped. They so, are, yes. You know, it, not not as easy probably as you'd, you'd think. I mean, we've gone very early on down a, an alley that we should probably have backed out of. Yes. Um, right. <laughs> About turn and march back out to the main road. Back to the safety of the well-lit streets. <laughs> yeah, let, let's go down into the cellar with Jolene and um <laughs> Oh, Lillian. Lillian. Oh, poor Lillian. She's yeah, but why, why is... Why is Jolene changing the kegs when the pub isn't open? Right, I was going to ask you about this because you're because, likely to know this stuff. Yeah. Because, right, I, I mean, I used to work in pubs when I was a student and you only change a keg when it's yeah. empty, right? And you're only going to empty yeah. it when you've poured the last pint. Yeah, and right? you're not going to say, oh, yeah, it's a, oh, look, it's it's half past eight. Uh, we won't bother putting the Heineken on until 11 o'clock tomorrow morning because they you know, we might be in danger of selling another 20 pints tonight at, at £4.50. <laughs> yeah. We won't bother doing that. We'll leave it till tomorrow so I can, we, can, we can have this convenient little chat. Yeah, it seemed no. a very strange thing for them. I mean, they could have been doing anything in the cellar. Why do they have to be doing a thing that they definitely wouldn't be doing? I don't know. I think it's because people, they've got, they have, obviously, an agricultural advisor, but they uh, don't have an alcohol advisor. No, no, maybe they need Maybe somebody. I could be... I could be the archer's catering advisor. Yeah, I think you should. Because that's your job, isn't yep. it? There you go. Yep. Yep. But yeah, that, can, that didn't mean can... that annoys me as well. You said, I've got, I've got to change this keg. I thought, why are you changing it now? Mm. Yeah, very the other thing, The other thing that didn't ring true for me was when Philip and Kirsty were locked out of their brand new Ugh. house. And brand new houses have thumb locks on them so yeah. you can't lock yourself out yeah yeah that was just silly no one because you have to lock a door behind you don't you now most new houses yeah yeah um you know do that thing where you lift the handle and it's so that for a start yeah. didn't ring true and i'm just finding the whole joy thing i don't yeah. know it's always it's always a woman isn't it? it's always in a, a, a boring old woman i'm like oh why is so one-dimensional? Lower class as well. Always working class. Always just you know, I, she's just lonely. Like don't don't be horrible about her. She's just clearly craving some company and to talk about her. I don't know. It's just it annoys me that those characters are always women and they're always portrayed as this sort of stupid, one-dimensional annoying neighbour, you know, it was what Linda was originally, mm. really, wasn't it? Except a sort yeah. of middle class version. And then eventually she'll be, you know, we'll take her to our hearts and she'll be a rounded character. It's like, can we not just start with a woman as a rounded character? <laughs> can we do that, yeah. maybe? Yeah. I know. I think that's that's annoyed quite a few people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, none of that rang true and the, you know... um the show real stuff and the it's just it's just I don't know I, I couldn't see the point in any of that it made me cross yeah, yeah. I agree I agree yeah. but I do um, think that what Philip was so extraordinarily insensitive to Kirsty like fine he might not want children but I I mean I you know I'm in my 40s I've been with my fella for five years so we were in our late 30s when we got together and let me tell you mm. before I moved into a house with him I made damn sure that we were on the same page regarding children I don't believe yeah. Kirsty would have you know moved into the house decided she's going to spend the rest of her life with it and then not even broached that subject that 
doesn't ring true. No, I mean, she did mention, she said that it was the first child she was comfortable being around and that that mm. had made her re-examine her, her feelings. But, but I think she, you know, the fact that she'd been pregnant and lost a child might have made him think, well, she wanted a child before. Why would she, you know, who's to say she's not going to want one? In the, you, you'd, you'd think that stuff. You'd ask those questions. I, I certainly would. I would have asked that question, yes. I yeah. would definitely have asked. Especially if you're adamant Definitely. that it's not what you want, then it's not fair to hmm. get someone moved into yeah. your house, settled in, and then go, oh, by the way, you know. So do you do you reckon it's okay, say, as a bloke, which I uh. am, and, and you, you get together with a woman and you don't particularly want kids, but they do, is it okay for you to then say, well, well I, I will have children with you? Because I guess when you have them, you kind of, Oh God, it's well, terrible, don't I? I mean, you, the, the thing that is, you, you grow to love them. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't have children, and my partner yeah. and I had that discussion before we got together. And we were both on the same page that we didn't want children, so that's fine. I think um, it's it's difficult, isn't it? But I think when you get to a certain age, definitely, I think it's hard if you get together when you're younger and, and sort of ten years down the line, you have to make that decision, and then you know you want different things that's difficult but I think if you meet someone when you're of a certain age it's just you just have to have that conversation early on before you get too involved you know and and because I I don't know maybe it's because I'm from you know both my parents were divorced twice um twice each you know um so I I very much am aware that of how complicated step families can be and all of that business and so if I was going to have children with someone I'd want to make sure it was absolutely right you know and to have children with someone who's said they don't want children but they'll do it if it makes you happy well that doesn't sound to me like that's a good situation to be bringing up a child in um okay but maybe that's just me you know I don't know I don't know it's difficult I'm sure that happens all the time but it just seemed weird to me that they wouldn't have Especially as he's so adamant, you know, that he didn't want children. So where's it going to go for them? Well, I don't know. I mean, she, poor Kirsty. I mean, I feel, I feel for Kirsty. She's got worse taste in men um, than anyone. I mean, she, you know, first sausage boy lets her down, and now <laughs> she she's with someone, and she sort of said, "Oh no, I'm the happiest I've ever been, so I'll make the sacrifices." Basically, it's like, well, it strikes me, Kirsty. You do a lot of making sacrifices, and maybe if you want kids and he doesn't, then maybe get out and find someone who you know can give you what you really want. I don't know. Do you know? I've just realised that they had this this whole conversation was was set in and around them putting up a bird box for birds yeah. to put a little nest in and have little baby birds. Oh, very symbolic. Yeah. That's the archers yeah. for you, isn't it? Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get on to <laughs> we'll get on to grow Jundy. Grow Jundy, Grow Jundy. Joe Grundy, <laughs> Joe Grundy, during the call. Shall we take our first call? Yes, let's. Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. This is Young Keith. Hello, Young Keith here. Just sort of been catching up over the last few weeks, but I have been particularly irritated by. Um, a few different characters. Philip wound me up this week when he got his Merlot, <laughs> opened it, and um, and then just popped it on the side to to, to breathe. That's something that I don't think a six ninety nine screw top, <laughs> screw top <laughs> bottle of Merlot 
uh, from the co-op needs to be left to breathe. And I've actually really enjoyed um, Russell being back on the show. It's been a while, uh, Russ. But I think he's been getting some acting lessons from from Adam's actor. Um, I definitely feel they sat down over a French press of coffee and uh, shared a few tips. Uh, Try to sound more strained and smug at the same time. (laughs) It's the rosemary. Not bad. Um, Anyway. Hope you're having a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye, By the way, if I wish I wish my local co-op did Merlot at six ninety nine a bottle. I mean, you can't get anything under eight pounds twenty five here in Oxford. But oh uh, uh, well, if you will live in Oxford, you need to leave someone well, more scummy or learn well, to like love Brighton. Lambrini. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I need something to clean the brakes on my bike, so I might buy a bottle <laughs> later. Uh, but he's absolutely right. You'd, it was a screw cap Merlot. You'd, a right. I'm I'm speaking with my catering hat on now. Is um, did he say it was a screw cap Merlot, or was he just insinuating it was a screw cap Merlot? Well, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. There's nothing wrong with screw cap, but we didn't no. hear a, a a cork pop, did we? Ah, right. He might have opened it earlier, in which case it already breathed. Well, no, you're right. He's a moron. Yeah. <laughs> and and you you can't a, a a bottle of wine can't breathe without you pouring it into a decanter uh-huh. because you've got you've got you've got an amount of uh, surface area akin to a postage stamp exposed to the air, so yeah. that's it's going to take an awful long time for that to to breathe and chambre as we say in the uh, the business. Get you. But most you don't need to you don't need to you don't need to uh, let most wines breathe. No, really? certainly not. I like, say one for the corner shop. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I don't think that's the most annoying thing Philip's done this week. But sure, we'll. <laughs> no, well, we've already touched on that, haven't we? We touched on that, yeah. And uh, what about Russ? And then Russ. <laughs> well, he he popped up. It was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it? When um, Tracy Horribin went round for Sunday roast, yeah. And I loved it because yeah. she just didn't take any of his shit. Yeah, I love yeah. Tracy, but um, she wasn't in it this week. But um, no, good Tracy. She, she's one of those char- one of those working class, irritating characters that they've suddenly decided to turn into um, someone we're Queen supposed to like. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think I always had a bit of a soft spot for Tracy, but yeah. it is the joy. What they've done with Joy Horvath is way more in your face than Tracy, I think. And just not with with no humor. Like Tracy always had, there's always a humor about Tracy, even when she was being, you know, when she was flirting with Roy or when she was, you know, whatever she's done, there's, there's been a sort of, it's been done with humor. With Joy Horville, it just seems to be humorless old bat, you know? Did you know the woman who plays Joy Horville? I didn't realize this till the other day. Is, I thought, I really know her voice. Where do I know it from? And she mm-hmm. was Jacko's love interest in Brushstrokes. Oh really? Oh god, that that's going back some yeah, time. Yeah, I used to love Brushstrokes when I used to watch it when I was a kid and loved it. You must have been allowed specially to stay up late. To I think I was. That. I think I was. I loved it, and she was the um, yeah, he's sort of love interest in it, Geordie. Anyway, that's who she. Because it's really bugging me. I knew I knew her voice, and uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, I, I'll look her up, folks. Yeah. Google her. Google her. All right. 
Let's hear from a, a man of the cloth now. This is Father Kevin from Boston, Massachusetts, a first-time caller in her. I've been listening to The Archers for about six years, which I think makes me a Rob Titchener. Ooh. I'm calling oh. because I'd like to complain about Shula, huh. specifically about her ordination process. I'm an Episcopal priest, which is like the American version of the Church of England. And Shula's interest in ordination has been driving me crazy. It may be different in the Church of England, but here those discerning holy orders would have a discernment committee of lay people in their parish who meet with the aspirant to test their vocation. And they'd ask some difficult questions. Why do you feel God is calling you to this work? Is this all about you? Why do you need to be ordained to serve God, etc.? And first of all, I don't think you could find four or five people at St. Stephen's who actually like Shula. And I think that includes Alan, who, by the way, has all of the charisma of wet cardboard. Oh, I'm not A while back, Tracy Horobin asked Shula about becoming a priest, and Shula told her to mind her own damn business. Not exactly the most pastoral response. And actually, I think Tracy would make a much more interesting vicar than Shula, because we all love Tracy. I'm also interested to see how long this process takes. I was in discernment for over a year and then in seminary for three years before my ordination. And it seems like people in Ambridge complete a college degree in about a year and a half. Although the gestational age in Ambridge also seems to be about a year and a half. Welcome, baby Xander. So I predict that Shula will ultimately not be approved for ordination. And it will be a huge drama. And I am not looking forward to hearing about her whining about it for months. So that's it. Thanks. Bye. Uh, do you know what? I was with him. I was with him on Shula until he called my Alan some wet cardboard. I'm not having that. I'm not having it. I I'll have Alan. you know, we like wet cardboard yes. in Britain. Most cardboard is wet. Exactly. Especially today. It's very hard to keep it dry in our climate. And um, <laughs> I love Alan. I do. I think he's a sweet... I think it's partly because I, I love John Telfer, who plays him. Um, yeah. You know, and... and um, yeah, and, and there's something about... Because he rides a motorbike and he's like a hot priest, isn't he, Alan? He's a bit of a hot priest. I quite like a hot priest. Like Fleabag, the hot priest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You thought Fleabag did it first. The Archers ah. was there way before. The you. Archers always done it first, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, until you said that, I was with you, Father Kevin. But ugh, I have to take his task on that. But yeah, I, I mean, he's got a point, hasn't he? I love that. Yeah, <laughs> you've struggled to find four or five people who like her in the congregation at St Stephen's. <laughs> Do you know? I um, I think this might have been discussed. I, now I can't remember now if this was discussed on Dumpty Dum or I've seen it discussed on Twitter. But I yeah. recently read. You know, there's um these like novelizations of the archers from way back. Like, so yeah. um, I can't remember the name of the woman who's written them, but there's a couple of them. And I listened to the mm -hmm. audiobooks of them in, in my car. And like Shula back in the day was a bit of a one, right? I mean, she. So was, I hear. Yeah. Sleep with married men and were, you know, so when did, when did suddenly pious hair shirt Shula appear? I don't know, but I'm, I, I, Rather have the old one back. Yeah, she sounded and, um... much more fun and just a sort of decadent, horsey woman, you know. I mean, I think her her ordination process, it will be interesting to hear. I've got a friend who's going through it at the moment, um, mm. and she is – it's really tough. Like, it doesn't just happen. 
And she's... Um, so do you, you have know, to learn the Bible off by heart and everything? Well, probably, yeah. But it's just, it's more the sort of, you know, she has to go... Uh, to go to church obviously she goes to church anyway but um that'd be a shit vicar if you didn't go to church but uh just the amount of work she has to put in she has to write essays and is constantly being questioned on her vocation and and, you know whether it is her calling and and you know almost it almost feels like they try to catch you out a bit i think in the process sometimes to make sure it is your your uh, vocation i suppose but yeah it'll be interesting to see um the, the the main problem with it is that Robert is I don't give a shit if she becomes a vigor or not. No. <laughs> you know, it's hard, isn't it? Exactly. Because she's just Oh, who cares? Just as long as we've got Alan. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Exactly. I mean she might as well be training as a landscape gardener or you know, mm. fish husbandry. Yeah. Um but you could give uh, you could give Adam a, a bit of a hand, yeah. I guess. But um no one cares. No. You should have just stayed in that ice hotel. You know, just <laughs> licked, licked, licked the wall of the ice hotel so your tongue stuck to it, and then <laughs> maybe, <laughs> and then he should he should have left you there. Yeah. Alistair should have left you there, and the and Alistair's the other way around now. And I've said this before on Dumpty Dum is he was. I mean, used to, Lucy used to call him boring, and he's yeah. not boring at all now. He's no, really, he's, he's quite really um, interesting. He's got depth I would. to him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lovely voice. He lovely has got voice. a lovely voice, and he's a vet, you know. So he loves animals, and mm. yeah, yeah. He's an attractive. I hope he oh, finds someone wow. really nice, and she doesn't. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Best of luck, Shula. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Father Kevin. Yes, let's hear from Christopher uh, now. Go on, no, you finished. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, he's a first-time caller in, or wasn't he? But he did everything he had to do, so that was good. He's a repetitioner, bless him. Oh, no one deserves that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll come next time we're in Boston. I presume that's Boston in America rather than Boston in Lincolnshire. I think Uh, he said Boston, Massachusetts, didn't he? Oh, did he? Okay. I think he, yeah. Um, Yeah, well, we'll we'll come and say hello. Yes, Next time we're we're in North America. Right, let's hear from Christopher now, who's who's not from Boston. Hello, this is Christopher. I'm a first-time caller in from uh, Gark. Oh. Oh, hang Boston. on a minute. There we go. And, and let's hear from Christopher, who's not from Boston. Hello, this is Christopher. I'm a first-time caller in from uh, Gark Kosh in North Lanarkshire. And um, I'm an audio describer. That's my job. And I felt I, I must protest... <laughs> Against um, against Royfield's depiction <laughs> and disdain for Roy, and and his lack of narrative purpose and his apparent desire for him to be propelled from the show, I feel I must <laughs> protest on behalf of Roy's everywhere. I am Roy, um, and we Roy's uh, we do not generate plot in life, and oh. we do not generate drama, and we do not generate great humour or pathos, or emotional depth. But I do think that there is a place for the Roys of this world as purely (laughs) reactive beings. There has to be somebody to react to the madness. So I feel there is a place for we Roys in life as well as in Ambridge. We Roys bring balance. That's that's what I think. The other thing I wanted to say is that... um, one day I hope to be really good friends with Leonard. Anyway, I, I love the <laughs> podcast. Um, bye-bye. 
Bye-bye. Uh, Robert. I, you know what? I agree 100% with him. I do. I have to say something first. I had to listen to his call twice because the first time I was so di- distracted mm. by his beautiful voice. Lovely. Oh, Christopher. And as soon as he said he's an audio describer, and I was like, well, of course you are, because I could listen to that voice all day long. If people don't know what audio describers are, by the way, they're, they're people who um, do extra description, aren't they, in film and TV for people who are visually impaired. Yeah. I used to work for a company that did um, audio mm. describing. Um, uh, but I don't think I don't think I ever met Christopher. Uh, I would have remembered that voice. Oh. Anyway, um, yes, I, I do think he has a point. I, I I felt really sad as he was saying it, but um, I know what he means. It's like some people aren't. You don't have to be um, the the sort of protagonist or antagonist in the drama. You can just be the mm. bystander who a sort of catalyst for the drama, aren't you? Then you you sort of yep. go through the reaction unchanged, but you make the reactions happen. Um, and I guess that is what Roy is. And I, and I, yeah, I, I agree. I like Roy. Sorry, Roy Field, but you're yeah. wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, only I, because you know, the racism called Roy aside, and he's called Roy. Yeah. That's what it is, isn't yeah. it? It's just, um, yeah. you know, as long as we forget his early dabbles in racism, I think Roy is, um, is a nice character and he does have a really important role in the village because he connects lots of people. He connects because of where he works. He connects the yeah. likes of, um, you know, Linda and, and your Grey Gables lot with the, his friends who are the Grundies or the, you know, Tom Archer, or he's an important bridge, I think, between the the different bits of Ambridge. So yeah, I'm with you, Christopher. Roy yeah. was wrong. And um, please call in again so I can hear your voice. Yes, please do. I we'll think... have to. You'll have to have a a meet up uh, uh, when you go up to Edinburgh next year, maybe. Oh yeah, get up to North Lanarkshire, and um, I just want you. I, I I might find some things you've audio described because I can just imagine drifting off to sleep with that lovely voice in my ear. Ah, oh. oh. <laughs> there you are. I'm quite you've, taken. You've had with an you, impact. <laughs> you really have. You've had an impact. <laughs> shall we? Shall we have uh, uh, an email? Have we not got another call? You've got a couple... Yeah, we have. I'm going to do some more calls, but I thought, uh, right, we'd, uh, okay. I thought oh, we'd take a look at a couple of emails. Okay, yes, I've got some emails. Oh, no. look. Um, well, one of them is a sort of uh, message for um, Lucy. So um, right. I'm hoping that Lucy, wherever she might be at the moment, I know she's travelling around a bit, but if she's listening to the podcast, um, this is a message from Christopher Sanderson. And he says, hello, Lucy. I don't venture onto Twitter, so I hope my message reaches you this way. Um, now, obviously, because we've got the email and Lucy hasn't. I thought we'd better read it out. Um, she said, yeah. uh, he says, in a recent podcast, you mentioned being in Jersey next weekend, which now that depends on when you sent the email as to when next weekend is and when this goes. It's getting very confusing, isn't it? I should just read it. Um, <laughs> he says, coincidentally, I will be in Jersey to do a day's consultancy at school and my wife Hilary is tagging along too. So we'd be very pleased to get together for an Archer's chat. So basically, Lucy, if you're listening to your own podcast, um, which I imagine you are because you you probably listen to me and Robert do it and go, oh, God, I'm definitely coming back. I can't let those two <laughs> do it again. Um, he's going to be in Jersey, this uh, Dumpty Dumber, Chris Sanderson, with his wife, Hilary, and they are going to be there from the 18th to the 21st. 
first, I think is what I can make out. So if you're both keen followers of The Archers and Dumpty Dum, um, you won't have heard me calling because I haven't got around to it yet, but I have emailed in, written a review and bought from the shop. Um, and also Hilary and Christopher sent in a Dumpty Dum, which they sang with Jacqueline Berto. So he's ensconced in the land of Dumpty Dum. Um, so... If you're going to be in Jersey at that time, uh, Lucy, get in touch with Chris Anderson. There we go. Yes, we can give you his details. Yes, we will indeed. Just wanted to make sure Lucy gets that message. Excellent. And I suppose and if anyone else has something is in Jersey, to say, yeah, yeah, why let's not? all pop across to Jersey. Uh, I've never been. Um, Got some brilliant bunkers. No, apparently. Oh, yes, there were. Ah. Well, isn't there the, that big cave that the Nazis mm. lived in or something? Mm. Lots of World War II and Nazi bunkers and tunnels and things in uh, Jersey, so I keep meaning to go. You'd be in your element. I would indeed. I bloody love a bunker. Oh, yes. That sounded really Can sinister. Just she, said, she said, she bunker. said, bunker, not bunk, bunk up. up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pointing Tents that out. Tents up first, bunk up later. <laughs> Um, do you want me to read the other email that we've got yes please so the other email is from Fiona Frank and the subject is Kate and Lullabies says hi I'm a one time caller in Aurora and also sent a dumpty dum for my weekly music session that hopefully you'll use one day Um, so Royfield get on that Um, and now she's an email in Aurora and Fiona says I just heard Kate with Xander again on the on your bus and that's how she spelt it on your bus I like that and it reminded me how lovely it was that they had thought to get her to sing a South African lullaby to him. It's so significant for the scriptwriters to include that tiny detail as such a good reminder of her story and her past. Love Fiona in Lancaster, uh, although she is just about to go to Poland for a month. Um, and she says, I'll remember to take some Zlotties or whatever they use there. LOL. <laughs> um, Crikey. Yeah, she did do a little South African lullaby, didn't she? Yeah, it was lovely, but I wouldn't go to Poland Right now, I mean, we don't know what's happening at they the end of the month. They might not let you back again. They yeah. might not let you back in. <laughs> I don't know. I'd take. I'd rather do that and stay in Poland. I think at the minute. Yeah, give me crack off any time. Absolutely, absolutely. But let's not go down that. What world. were you going to say? Down that. Let's not. No. No. <laughs> let's not. Well, no. I was going to say let's not go down the Brexit route, but any other route that might be in your filthy mind as well, we'll stay away from. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, what were, you, what were you going to say? You were going to say something about uh, something else. Was I? Um, oh. About the lullaby. Oh, yeah. just the, yeah. It was. It, I mean, it was, but also it's not like, should we really be holding Kate up as a lovely maternal mother figure? I'm not so sure we should. Well, I, th- I think the implication was she was very good with with youngsters, but as soon as they got their own opinions... Yes. She she wasn't that interested because she couldn't handle that. That she liked the, the the as if they're like a puppy dog or a kitten, that's fine. But uh, when they start saying, "Actually, I don't want to be a vegan," and uh, your scented candles smell like ass, <laughs> then she's not interested. That's true. When they have agency, I suppose, isn't it? Which is the, exactly yeah. the reason. I mean, I I think I'm the same, but the difference is that's pretty much the reason why I don't have children and I have a puppy instead. Um. Because they don't grow out of that stage, and that's that suits me just fine. No, and if you get tired of them, you can always 
Send them to a farm in Wales. How could you say that? Not yours, not Tina. Not not Tina. Tina. You know I love Tina as well. Met. Oh, you bonded with Tina. Is to love her. (laughs) I know. There's a lovely photograph of me that Angela took in Brighton of putting out my park bench lip. Um, uh, cuddling Tina and I really am cuddling her there oh she loves a proper cuddle Tina oh yeah yeah. I'm yeah. I'm her her new favourite uncle. She anyway, she got properly dumpty dum induced this weekend. Oh gosh, didn't she <laughs> didn't just? She didn't just, she just? Oh. Right, back to the call. Yes, sorry, yes. Here's Ash. Ash from Broccoli. Hi, it's Ash from Broccoli. I have to admit, I've not been listening with my usual intensity to the podcast over the last few weeks. So apologies if it's been discussed before. <gasps> but I'm just wondering if I'm alone mm-hmm. in simply not having Will Grundy's Damascene conversion um, about his kind of outlook on the world and, and his work and, and his priorities in life. He just seemed to completely change his mind and his <laughs> whole kind of worldview um, after one chat with Ian. I can't believe that someone who is so blinkered and single tracked would just literally turn on the sixpence in terms of his worldview and and his his employment and stuff. Not having it. Oh, and thank you also for putting me out of my misery in um, revealing who the voiceover is um, for those really creepy Brexit ads. I knew I recognised the voice. That said, Roy Phil, you're absolutely right. I'm not impressed by anyone who takes this government shilling. Loving the show. Bye for now. Ah, he's right, isn't he? About about you know, what? Well, about um, uh, Will's sudden about turn. I mean, I can I could understand him having an about turn after what you know. I think sometimes people do have a sort of Damascene conversion after a suicide attempt or something like that, where you come so close to the bottom that you start you know mm. to go back to the, that. I can buy into. Um, however, yeah. the the catalyst for it was Ian. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't ring true at all. I mean, have they ever even really spoken to each other before? As if, you know, and Ian's go, oh, you're a great dad, Will. A, no, he's not. And B, how do you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> how much time have you spent with Will Grundy and his children? It's a big step, isn't it, to just chuck in a job, a job that you love and gives you self-worth, that also has a lovely little cottage with it. Yeah. To chuck that in. Um. Yeah, that is that is difficult and it, and it for seems, me to process. You know, as far as I can make out, the the main reason for him chucking in the job was access to guns. Well, so if somebody's suicidal, that they, they will find a way. You know, um, it's yeah. not. It doesn't seem like oh well. If you don't work with the guns, then you'll be all right. That's not how it works. You know, so I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I I think obviously the whole thing with Martin Gibson and whatever was putting stress on him, so it probably was you know, not doing his mental health any good working there because he didn't have a good working relationship with Martin Gibson and and I suppose had a lot of pressure on him. So that makes sense. But, yeah, Mm. the whole chat with Ian and the sudden turnaround, yeah, I didn't buy it. No. I I think that in my experience, people, when something happens to them, they think, they they say they are going to change and they change a little bit, but then you you go back on to a, a, a in on a course that leads in a similar direction to where you were heading before, and it takes it takes a lot of effort to turn a, sh- a ship around. Yeah, it? I mean, with most you know, speaking with my hat on in my old jobs and working in mental health, you know, for um, 
it's very rare that somebody, and this goes for sort of uh, mental health, any sort of addictions, anything like that, you know, it's very rare that somebody decides to make a change and they succeed on the first go. Um, yeah. But then we don't know if Will will succeed on the first go. You know, it, it, it still might take time. So I'd like to give the, the scriptwriters benefit of the doubt that this will be an ongoing process and not just, oh, we'll fix overnight because somebody who's actively suicidal is not fixed overnight. Um, you know, so we'll... Yeah, we'll, because think, there's, that, there's that three stage, isn't there, that you have, you have uh, you, you've planned um, and you have the means to do it. And there's, yeah. it's the CPR, isn't it? Yeah. CPR of suicide. Yeah, and very often um, somebody who, um, you know, when people reach the point where they actually do commit suicide, very often prior to that seem as well as they've ever seemed because the yeah. burden of, you know, once you've made that decision and you've actively planned and prepared, it's a burden lifted to people who are in that condition and they actually can present as as well as they've ever been. You know, so the fact that mm. Will's suddenly presenting very well and lucid and I'd be more concerned about than I would. There was a hint of that concern from Clary. And um, I was to- talking to Kerry Warbis mm. um, on Saturday and, 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 and she said she had a, a guffaw at this. But um, uh, I said, well, you know, maybe, maybe it's, 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 it rings true. Is that when, when Will had gone down to the river. Yeah. Um. And Clary said, you went down to the river. What, uh, why did you do that? Uh, or what were you doing there? And that was plainly because she was worried he was going to jump in the river. So yeah. your, your she, family, she's, got, if, she's if, got a handle on it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you've, you know, your family member has done something like that, it doesn't matter how many times they tell you they're okay now, you're not going to just go, oh, all right then. You know, that that's something that's going <laughs> to profoundly affect you and your relationship with that person and how you care for them you know, deeply. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'll be interested to see how the whole thing plays out because if it is just now, oh, that's never revisited and never sort of talked about and he's fine now, then that doesn't really ring true. But I think I think there'll be bumps on the road for Will. Yeah. Well, yeah. we all encounter bumps and potholes, don't we? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I don't think he's, um, hmm. you know, his about turn is going to be quite as straightforward and especially as he's not got employment yet you know and and um there'll come a point where that's going to cause issues in itself if he's not working and he hasn't got an income and all of that you know yeah and he's just experienced the second uh significant bereavement in a 12-month period as well yeah exactly exactly so and and it's not just for you know his granddad was old and it, it you know it's a different type of bereavement but yeah. He's got to deal with Poppy. That's where the difficulty will be because Poppy won't have that rationale that an adult has. You know, where you go, well, they're 98 and they've had a good life and all that. Poppy's lost her great granddad and her mum. You know, two people. And Poppy was always sat on Joe Grundy's knee, wasn't she? It was always playing with Joe and, oh, Joe's watching through the window with Poppy and all of that. So that she's going to, you know, it's going to be how he deals with with her and parenting her is going to be the tricky bit. Yeah. yeah, we haven't really touched on Joe, have we? I mean, no, we mentioned we him in the monologue. Yeah, it's. I think it's. Um, I mean, obviously, we knew it was coming. Um, yeah. and I think it was really beautifully done. I think the whole 
sort of cider press thing. It was almost like that nurse, the grandfather's clock nursery rhyme, wasn't it? You know, that it stopped yeah. working at the time when, um, when he was ready to pass, you know, and they, but he had his last night, his last pressing last night at the cider club. And, uh, yeah. What was this thing people were mentioning on Twitter about a cucumber? I, cause before I'd heard it, I uh, thought he died in some kind of terrible Tory well, MP kind of a way. But, um, cause Eddie said, so when Eddie, got back to the house so, so they all sort of staggered back to the house they Joe had gone home earlier and Eddie and the yeah. boys went back to the house and they went to bed and he saw I think Joe's light was on and he wanted to check that the cucumber hadn't disagreed with him because he'd had the cucumber sandwiches or something I think that Lillian had okay so yeah that that's all I remember about cucumber but yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, that's one thing I have in common with the, with the late Joe Grundy. I mean, they do tend to repeat. They, don't they? do A repeat. Cucumber Terrible sandwich. indigestion. Cucumber and green peppers. That's uh, oh. Oh, I don't have a problem with green peppers. Oh no, I do. Terrible. Good cucumber. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Anyway, yes. Rest in peace, Joe. Absolutely. And and you know, we, like I say, we've already sort of grieved the passing of Ted Kelsey, haven't we? But um. Yeah. But yeah, Joe Grundy, that'll be a. Oh, just not hearing his voice anymore. He's very. He is the archers, isn't he, that voice? Does that so, mean we're so, going to have to have some more Bert? I think we'll have to. To, to fulfill the role. I think we will have man. to, won't we? Because. Um, you can't oh, have is the that ball why they brought that... Leonard in? Ah, maybe. Did Leonard come in before he died? Before the actor died? I don't know. Even I so, know. I suppose you'd be sort of. You know, if he's getting on a bit, Joe Grundy was getting on a bit yeah. anyway. They're going to off him at some point, I suppose. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, but Leonard's a very different because he's not oh, rough. Yeah. Is it? You know, the, what I love about Joe Grundy and Bert Fry is they're rough around the edges and they're proper. Like, you know, they've got a side to them. Whereas Leonard yeah. at the moment just seems like a very sweet. And I like Leonard a lot, but um, yeah, very sweet man. Shall we hear from the uh, the good professor? Oh, let's. Do- Dr. Dr. Nicola Dr. Hedlum. I don't Nicola. know if she's a professor. Oh. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Dr. Nicola Hedlum here. Um, I am calling to tell you what my PhD is in. Uh, yes, you're right. I'm not a medical doctor, although we doctors of the social sciences often say, you know, there's that thing where, is there a doctor in the house? It's very important on a doctor of philosophy to say... Um, oh, sorry, I messed the joke up. Don't worry, don't worry, dear. Start again, start again. I'll run a workshop. And if you're a doctor of philosophy, rather than uh, administering CPR or anything useful like that, you say, but of course, we're all dying in the in the existential sense. And so that's um, <laughs> it's one for the social science PhDs out there. My uh, doctorate is in urban planning from the University of Manchester. And that has led to me being a researcher in a couple of British universities. Um, but more recently, uh, I think I said to you, I've been the most senior civil servant with a pan-Northern brief for the last year. And I've just stepped down from doing that. I was head of the Northern Powerhouse for Her Majesty's Government. Um, uh, but I just organised a big gig on the 13th of September and I've been ignoring a grumbling appendix. So I've had a month okay. recovering from it. An, append- an appendectomy after a necrotic Aye. appendix, which is a bit foul. Um, I just wanted to say, Roy, in, as regards the fact that 
everybody keeps calling to pull you up. I've found this uh, in academic cultures as well. Quite often people kind of get really into sort of correcting and all the rest of it. And I think some people think it's sort of they're listening or something. And what I think is you should be ruder and more radical uh, in response. Um, (laughs) Take care. Uh, Thanks for all you do. And I'll call in again with more Archer's content soon. Bye. Well, I'm up for being ruder and more radical, aren't you, Angela? Always. Always. Always room to be ruder and more radical. Um, Get well soon, Nicola Headlam, though. That sounds all. A necrotic appendix is not fun. So, oh, you poor thing. Oh, my side's hurting just thinking about it. Yeah, right. So I hope you're getting lots of TLC and and, um, rest and looking after yourself. However, urban planning, that's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Oh, yeah. I've got I've got uh, my friend who uh, lives in uh, uh, San Francisco. She's she's a planner and Mm. she she deals with such things like that. But she went off to do a Ph.D. in urban planning. But. I, she she got a bit bored with it, so gave up after two years. Oh. I think she was missing the, the the money she was making as well as a, a, a San Francisco planner. Uh-huh. I think it really mm. intrigues me. So I I've got a little thing about, as you'll know if you know me, about sort of brutalist architecture, and and I've got a little um sort of quite fascinated about town like mid century mid twentieth century town planning, and you know the sort of new yeah. towns and things like that. It's my little obsession. And a friend of mine um, has just written a book, which has just come out, which might, if you're into that sort of thing, might be up your street. It's called Car Park Life. And um, it's by Gareth E. Rees. And it's a book about um, retail car parks and their sort of importance in our lives and how much we take them for granted. And it's really, really good. I read it a little while ago. Um, But that sort of stuff fascinates me. So, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe we should have a little urban planning podcast, maybe. Oh, um, we could do that. Urban I've, planning I've got the corner. Contacts. Now that now that Map Corner's got its own <laughs> podcast, I think we should have urban planning corner. What do you reckon? Roy Frank yeah, minds, definitely. Start that I'm up, up for his... it. I, <laughs> I can I can be the innocent abroad who um, asks the the dozy questions. You can be the enthusiastic um, amateur. I yeah. can, my friend Sean can be one of the experts, uh, and we can get. Your pal, what, what's your pal's name? My pal, Gareth E. Rees, who's just the... written Car Park Life. I'll plug his book because I'm not just saying it because he's a friend. He's actually, he's actually my friend's boyfriend. I know him fairly well, but the book is really good. I read it, an advanced copy, so they wanted a like a quote for the, uh, you know, uh, what you call it, yeah. the blurb. And um, I really loved it. I didn't even have to lie right. or anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, available at all. And we could get my friend John. John Grindrod, who I'm, I'm a massive fan of. So he wrote a book called Concretopia. And, in fact, I've got one of his books right on my desk in front of me as we speak uh, called Outskirts, uh, which is about the, I've got it, um, yeah, it's here. On the green belt. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's kind of his version of Nigel Slater's Toast. Yes. So I'm I'm a bit of a, a fan girl of uh, John Grimrod. So well, yes, we'll talk later. Yes, I, uh, we're, we're going to hook <laughs> you gonna up. Going to hook so us to up. Speak. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, I haven't seen him for a couple of years, and I tell you what, he's one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Oh really? He's, yeah, pant-wettingly hilarious. <laughs> he's good on Twitter. I'll get at Grimrod on Twitter. Yeah. If you're into your yep. um, brutalism and and concrete and urban planning and that sort of business then follow at Grinrod on Twitter he's uh, yeah I like his stuff he's a wonderful chap yes 
Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, I think it's about time we uh, caught up with the social media events in this week's uh, Dumpty Dum Land. And for that, we need to call upon Millie Bell. Yay! Good day, everyone. Well, I'm going to dedicate this week's uh, social media roundup to Joe Grundy and his demise. And I want to thank one of our listeners, uh, Stuart Arundel, because he did two things this week. Um, he g- uh, gave me a graphic that I could use on our page, which I really appreciated. Um, and that was really very generous of him because he usually uses his talents on another page. Um, and also he put up a list of uh, highlights of Joe's uh, life that we have listened to. So I just thought I'd read those out because they really, for me, brought home why I enjoyed the character of Joe, even though he often made me a bit grumpy because he was a bit of a taker, not a giver. But this proves that I wasn't always right. So they are being with Nick in hospital when she died, dancing with Nick, discovering Tumble Tussock Orchard, Walking down to breakfast at Grey Gables after the flood in his long johns. <laughs> Getting the ferret stuck in his trousers. <laughs> Omi Farmer's lung. Uh, the false <laughs> teeth in the cider. Claiming the free massage from Linda. Uh, catching a birthday drink from David Archer. Most years. <laughs> Killing the ferret with a hammer. Uh, bringing Jem to Bartleby. Clipping the ferret's nails in the kitchen. <laughs> creating cider day. Getting lessons on using the internet and hogging one of the computers in the bull. Losing Grange Farm and Mexican Night. So thank you so much, Stuart, for posting those up because it reminded me why I enjoyed the comedic relief of Joe. And we had, I asked people if they would like to leave their thoughts uh, below um, when I had put up that I thought it was a beautiful episode. And lots of people agreed with me, some not so much. So let's see what you had to say. Uh, Megan Eliza Stott said, I really like 
respect it. Very respectful to the memory of Joe and in turn Edward. The bit when Will said, we will have to ask Grandad when we got home. Oh, really got me. And Gillian Corrigan said yes. And she also loved Eddie's simple, bye dad. Paul Devlin said that he'd said his piece yesterday, but he still wasn't sold on it. It was nice, it was lovely, but I'm sure lots of us have lost that senior member who we all loved, who we all love to think was invincible. There was no awful shock that came across, no huge, immediate, inconsolable grief. Clary seemed aloof almost. I don't think the aftermath was a fitting tribute. So again, I'll give the benefit of the doubt and hope that the funeral is. Uh, John Custom Merritt agreed, said that was a poor script again. Uh, Linda Curtis suggested we wait until the funeral before we comment. And Joe Edwards said, yep, I felt no sense of grief and heard no sense of grief either. Penelope Matheson said agreed, and no matter how old someone is, it's always a shock when they die. Instead, it sounded like a run-of-the-mill event, and I don't even like Joe's character. And Janice Betson said he was 98. They would not have been shocked. Sad, but not shocked. They would also have been glad that he died at the farm and didn't have to leave it. Al Williams said it was very touching. and Joe, But Joe Edwards said, I cry at the drop of a hat about all kinds of stuff. But <laughs> I've listened twice to the episode to see if I'm not getting something. But still, no, I wasn't moved at all. I thought the monologue was stilted, ill-delivered, and I got no sense of the what? shock and pain of discovering someone you love has passed. <laughs> no matter how old someone is or how expected, would you really have all those words to say? I couldn't hear any sorrow in his voice, just a script. So sorry, guys, it just didn't work for me. Kelly Schroeder disagreed. I loved it. It was exactly like real life. When I first listened, I was just taking in the news. It wasn't until the second listen that I cried. And the third listen gave me that grief when we realised as a society that a certain way of life is dying out for better or worse. Some folks seem to want all reactions at once, but grief doesn't work that way. Jean Bell? It was superb, and how poignant that the actors managed to do it so beautifully. It must have been hard for them, but the emotions needed were real. If it affected us, I imagine they needed a group hug at the end of the recording. Oh, Jean, you're so thoughtful, and I think you're right. Uh, Stephen Bowden said, I'm clearly in a small minority. While most of the episode was excellent, I found Eddie's opening monologue to be mawkish and unrealistic. I'm sure it was intended as a a tribute to Edward Kelsey, but it didn't do it for me. That wasn't the real Eddie, and it wasn't the real Joe. Abigail Downham said, I thought it was lovely. Cried on my dog walk where I was listening. Moving, but not mawkish. Sad, but not EastEnders hysterical. Nicely timed. There was so many more like that. I think it was one of the biggest posts we've had in ages. So uh, thank you to everybody who contributed. Uh, continue to contribute because I know that Yoko Bear will be watching it next week. And to finish our week and on a completely different note, Witherspoon put up a post asking for your cold and flu remedies. And he's going to pass those on to Lucy V. So once again, thank you for a sensational week, everybody. We really appreciate the effort that you put into um, to contributing. And we love sifting through them all to decide which ones we're going to use in our roundup. So I really appreciate those of you who are funny, those of you that are honest, and those of you that just get stuck in. So until I speak to you next time, hooroo! Hooroo! Thanks, Millie Bell. Uh, Can we, are we... Are we able to block listeners that we don't agree with? I think we should. No. <laughs>
Isn't that the, the way symbolically... of the world now? If you don't like something someone says, just cancel them. <laughs> Blocked. Blocked. Sorry. I think... Um, I, I, cried I cried on my cottage pie well, while I, I was listening. Well, I had to... On, on, it was Thursday night, wasn't it? When, um, yeah. when Eddie... No, hang on. Yeah, the monologue was on Thursday. Yeah, he did. And he, I... Yes. Because I was doing a... No, it wasn't. It was Friday. I don't know what day it is. Friday, because I was on um, in doing a tour show. You were up in Warwick, in, weren't you? Yeah, Coventry, Warwick Arts Centre in Coventry, and I was listening to it in the green room, and I had to turn it off about a minute in because I thought I'm going to go on stage with puffy eyes. I can't. <laughs> I was, I've got to be on stage in an hour. If I listen to this now, I'm going to be in bits. Um, so I, I, I had to turn it off and listen to it on Saturday morning. But I just thought I disagree with the like because. I think he was a bit shocked, but not, you know, you. If, it's not like they haven't been waiting for this moment. It's not like you haven't, when you've, yeah. my grandmother died last year, she was 95 and she was going mm. right up to the end, you know, but we knew it was going to happen one day. So when she did yeah. pass away, it was really, I tell you how I describe it is it was really sad, but it wasn't tragic. Do you know what I mean? She was mm. 95. She'd had a good long life. She'd been fit and active right up till the end. Um, you know, because she was somebody who it would have been very hard. She had nine kids and would, you know, still doing her own shopping and her own mm. cleaning. And so, so it would have been really hard to watch her sort of fade away. And, yeah. you know, when someone gets to that age, it's in the back of your mind. You know, every time I saw my nan, I made sure I did a good goodbye just in case. Because, you know, you are mm. sort of, even if you're not outwardly preparing for it, you are sort of mentally aware that that day is going to come. Yeah. So, And then when it Absolutely. did, it was sad, but it was also everything was, you know, when I'm, I was in Glasgow when she dies and I came back um, that day and everyone was just, it was just all lovely stories and lovely, but it was a happy, happy is mm. not the right word, but it's a very positive day. You know, it wasn't, we yeah. weren't all bawling our eyes out. We weren't all you know, in shock. And it was just like sharing stories and being like, that felt real to me. What Eddie with his yeah. finding his dad that way, that felt real. Um, yeah, I agree. And, there was some and there's going to be plenty more of those stories to come in, in the weeks to come. I'm, I'm looking forward to the funeral. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So. But I hope they give him a good old send off and everyone just gets hammered on yeah. cider. Um, yeah, I want to see some ferrets in the funeral procession. And Bartleby, Bartleby will have to pull him, won't he? Bart- <gasps> God, that's how they're going to oh. do it. Bartleby is going to carry the coffin on, on, the, the, on the trap. Oh, behind. God, see, now I'm welling up. Oh, sorry, oh. I need a hanky, I need a hanky. Oh, God, I can't bear it. Do you know the bit, a bit... I'm filling up, yeah. There, there, there was a bit, two bits oh, that pathetic. really made me almost go listening and one was a silly joke yeah. that really made me smile but it was when Jolene and Toby were talking about him in the bar and, and he said something like yeah. I won't get it right now he said something like how many pints he must have drunk in this bar and Jolene said a lot more than he bought <laughs> which I just thought was lovely oh yeah <laughs> that, was that was such a lovely line I think they'll say that my funeral yeah. <laughs> <as well. laughs> and then there was um it was when really wrong true when um will said we'll ask granddad when we get home because i my dad passed away mm. 11 years ago and i still you know particularly if something goes wrong with my car my first thought is oh, i'll ask dad you know and that's yeah. after 11 years um 
so that really rang true and that really made me go oh you know because I know that feeling so well to go oh I lost dad oh no <laughs> no don't you think don't you think that some people who are commenting here um either they haven't experienced this mm. in their lives or if they have they've experienced it in a slightly different way because we all experience grief and death and handle it in our own way and go there, through different stages there are at different two times. situations in life i think where i would never ever ever say but you wouldn't do that and one is when someone's died and the other mm. is when somebody's been assaulted in some way because I think there are things where we say, yes. but you wouldn't do that. And it's like, you don't know what you would do. There's no right or wrong way. And there are as many different ways of dealing with death and grief and all the terrible things that come with it as there are people. You know, everyone has their own way of dealing with it. So I don't, when people say, oh, you, well, you wouldn't do that. It's like, well, maybe you wouldn't do that. But I might, you know, or someone else might. I, I remember when, um, mm. after my dad died, I... um Actually, no, this is a story I'm not going to tell on there. I've just realised what... Yeah, no, forget that. But, um, okay. uh, right. yeah, just because right. it involves... Sorry. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But, you know, people do... Yeah. We project what we would do onto other people, and that's not necessarily how it is, you know. And that's why when when some... What well, we, we think project we do, and that's the other thing. So until do. it happens to you, um, and I, the 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 stand up show that I'm yeah. doing at the moment, I tell a story in it about some. I, I was assaulted on a tube, and um, I always thought, you know, assumed I'd be mm. the sort of person who kicked someone in the bollocks and call them a pervert if they assaulted, you know, tried to assault me in a public place. But that's not what I did. I froze, and then it, yeah. ha- you know, and that's why I always yeah. say I would never ever judge anyone's reaction to anything because until you have been there. You don't know what you'll do. And also, even if you have been there, the way you reacted isn't necessarily the only way to react to something. So just because, you know, you might do X, Y, Z doesn't mean everyone would. Um, So, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. But uh, I I, I just thought it was really lovely. I thought Eddie's little uh, monologue was really lovely with him, you know, and... um, yeah, there was a bit of. I just wish we had. Just wish we'd have been able to hug yeah, and kiss like each the other boys a little do with bit their from kiddies. time to time, like Will oh. and their kids. And that's so true. Is that 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 mm. younger fathers now they don't think uh, don't have a second thought about hugging and kissing uh, even oh, yeah, their, their male children, absolutely young boy. And it it and it doesn't and it in, in my generation. I mean, I I want to hug my dad and I think I might not have told this story on here but um last Christmas I I I went home I used to go home for a couple of days and I rent a car and I drive up there and uh, to Wakefield and then I leave on Boxing Day um because I do have a life outside of, you know, <laughs> family Christmases. And um, and it was in the back of my mind. And I just thought, you know, the last time I gave my dad a hug was the the day after mum's funeral. And um, oh. he asked for a hug from me and and said, um, and I said, you're not usually like that. And he said, oh, there's oh. less of us now. And in the back of my mind, <laughs> I thought, fewer. Oh, but anyway, never aunt. mind, Dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no I did think that and I laughed to myself as I did that but it was a lovely hug and, and I, I haven't since and that's 12 years ago um or, or more 14 years ago probably and um this Christmas I was leaving and dad's dad's older and he's 84 now and he, you know he, he's he's very sharp in mind but you yeah. know he's a little bit wobbly 
And um, so I just, I just, as we were in the in the garden, he was about to wave me goodbye in the car. I, I, I approached him and said, "Give us a hug." And he gave me a hug, but it was like a, like hugging a, 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 a china doll. You know, it was quite. He, I didn't give him. A, I didn't want to break his ribs. Let's <laughs> put it that way. And then I said, "I love you, Dad." And his response was, oh. "All right." <laughs> Oh, thanks. Cheers, mate. <laughs> They're just a product of their upbringing, aren't they? And just a product of, you know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, goodbye, goodbye Joe. Joe. You'll be missed. Who's next? Who's next? Who's got a oh, car kit next? It's got to be Peggy, isn't it? I mean, let's be clear well, here. We're talking so. about the characters, not the actors. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh, we're no, not taking no. a sweep. We're not talking about June. Getting um, but I think there's been a lot of setup with her legacy and stuff, hasn't there? So, although having said that, I don't. I don't think they will yeah. kill off Peggy Woolley unless maybe June wants to retire. Yeah, I mean, well, she is a hundred. <laughs> I mean, it's increasingly less likely that she'll be yeah, around for another yeah, 10 years. So, let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Gosh, but when you, then you think, well, we, we, if we lose so many patriarchs and matriarchs and archetypes and icons of, of, the, mm. of, of the series, that kind of, it, 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 it um, flings it out of yeah, orbit. Yeah, well, it's weird way, to think... It? You know, who mm. were the next... So you've got um, June... I've forgotten her surname. What's her surname? Spence. Who Spence. Uh, plays Peggy Woolley, obviously, who's been in it for, what, 60-odd years. Whereas other... Yeah. You know, there's characters that have been in it a long time since they were born and, you know, will probably be in it till they die. But I'd say most of them have had more than one actor. You know, so you've got Clary, who'll probably be in yeah. it shot, or you've got... Um, you know, I suppose Jenny Darling and Lillian have always been the same actors, have they? No, Lillian hasn't, has she? No. No, so, Lillian hasn't. Clary, Clary yeah, is back to the original between, actress, though, isn't she? Um, so... Yeah. Mm. That I thought was interesting that people started complaining about the, the Clary. new Clary, who was actually the old <laughs> Clary, because they didn't believe it was Clary. They think, yeah, come yeah. on, get with the programme. No. There's no pleasing but it's, some people. You know, that, that sort of person who's been there consistently the same throughout and grown... With their character, David Archer, I suppose, is the only. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's getting know. on my nerves at the moment. Though. This whole abattoir business, mm. and yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't really. I'm. I, I'm struggling to care. Maybe because I. I don't eat meat. Yeah, so but, am I. Um... I mean. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> it is important, but you know there is an abattoir, and the, the, I don't want to get into no. it, but. Um... Yeah, who cares? Yeah. Listen, we need to we need uh, to crack on to plug the. Br- yeah, we do need to crack on, and we need to plug the the Dumpty Dum Live Brum uh, Extravaganza, yes, which is do. taking place on the 9th of November. Which just so happens uh, to be my forty third birthday. So, um, oh well, I will be there celebrating my birthday. The, the thing I'm most looking forward to about uh, Dumpty Dum Live is my boyfriend's coming because it's my birthday. We're making a sort of weekend of it. We've got a nice hotel and making a weekend of it. But my boyfriend is coming to the Dumpty Dum Live. Not only has he never listened to Dumpty Dum, he's never listened to the Archers. 
So he's going to be wondering what the <laughs> hell is going on. And I think the most entertaining thing to do at Dumb Stuff Live will be to sit and watch his face <laughs> as it all unfolds. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Saturday, 9th of November. I'll be there. You'll be there. I'll be there. Royfield Yoko and Lucy Bear will, will be there. there. Yoko Bear will be there. And Absolutely. Uh, Susie Ridd, who plays... Um, uh, Tracy Horrible will be there. Tracy. And now uh, Lexi will be there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Derek will be uh, there. Derek, Derek the Fletcher will be there. Will be there. Right, um, That's the, yeah, quite. Ugh. 9th of November, it's uh, 2 p.m., the town hall yep, in Birmingham. Birmingham Go hall. to the Dumpty Dum website for all the details. And There's also a meal at the yeah. picture and piano and, and then, for a fiver. So, and afterwards... Go on, afterwards. No, go, afterwards it's at the, the gin, gin vaults. vaults. So go, come and drink some scruff gin. And and do come along to that if you can, because like I say, it's my birthday and I want to pretend I've got friends. So um, <laughs> the more the merrier for the dinner and the gin vaults, because, um, yeah, we'll have, a, we'll have a couple of drinks and nice foods and uh, I'll try not to cry about being 43. Oh, 43 is easy. Although, you know, I, I find even numbers... Easier than odd numbers. Really? And I'm coming up to an odd number in October. Ah, yeah. When's your birthday? Your birthday soon, yeah. is it? October 22nd. October 22nd. Oh, very soon. Ah. I know. Ah, yeah. there you go. Gosh. Well, yeah, it's next week. Ah. In fact. Hey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just send all your all your presents to me, care of Oxford University. I'm sure it will find me. <laughs> Although there are three or four different Robert Wilsons that work at Oxford University. Ah, so you've got a common name. That's the problem. I have. You want to be a Royfield, well, that's yeah, what you Wilson. want to be. Royfield Wilson. <laughs> well, that, that kind of works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, Angela, have have we got a tweet of the week this week? Oh, do you know what? I have absolutely forgotten <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> to do a tweet of the week. I knew there was something I'd forgotten to do. Um, oh, how shoddy. Uh, so, yeah, the, the quick <gasps> it's answer It's my fault is, for not reminding you. Um, no, we haven't got a tweet of the week this week. But I imagine it would probably be Kerry Warbis. It usually is, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's yeah. definitely Kerry Warbis. Let's just say it's Kerry Warbis. <laughs> yes. Well done, and can Kerry I say Warbis. How, how absolutely lovely it was to meet the Dumpty Dummers that came to the Brighton meetup on Saturday. Um, it, was it was such a it? lovely bunch of people. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, I really enjoyed myself. So thank you very much, particularly Kerry, who sort of did the uh, heavy lifting of organising that. Thank you very much. And um, yes, we we played uh, somebody who came, Vincent, who came along, um, whose mm-hmm. Twitter name I can't remember. Sorry, Vincent. Um, At Buddhist or oh, something Buddhi- like that. Buddhish, isn't it, or something like that? I can't. Anyway, he um, he brought along a an archer's card game, and uh, we all had to do impressions from various different archers characters, um, which is a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah, more of that sort of thing, please. Um, and if you do ever want to organise a meet-up where you live, then you can always um, get in touch with Dumpty Dum and they'll put the word out uh, for you on the airwaves. That's what we did. And uh, yeah, Definitely. we had a lovely little turnout. Yeah, Vincent's Twitter uh, handle is uh, a bit Buddhist. That's his name. And his at is at I'm Vincent Murphy. Ah, there we go. So thank you, Vincent Murphy. Um, also, Quentin Rayner was there. I, I didn't realise that Quentin is is a, a, a reporter on um, East Midlands BBC. Yes, he's very. That's a, I think he must so have come well down from Nottingham. Yes, he did. He said, I think he said he had a, a sister. I think who lived locally, so he killed two birds with one stone. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that was uh, yeah. People from far and wide came down. 
to to join us, which was really lovely. lovely. Yeah, and it was nice to see Sarah Brown as well. It was, and uh, Laura was there, and Olivia Angela, was there. the other Angela, the other Angie was there, Olivia. Um, yeah, just a really lovely, lovely bunch of people. So, thank you very yeah. much. Thanks very much, and. Uh, our, our special Dumpty Dum, which was recorded up Gloucester Passage, will be airing probably next week. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be pleased right. to know anyone who's uh, heard is... my singing voice that I very much mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah I, I stuffed I stuffed a dog chew in her mouth <laughs> to stop her. <laughs> right, this is your bit now. Oh, crikey, is it? I'm not looking at the script. I'm, such a, I'm a professional, don't you know? Oh, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, yeah, that's it. Oh, right. We've done the, to no, do no, it? no, I've got it. Uh, remember to get in contact. Right. You can say, is that bit? Yeah. Am I doing it right? Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, yeah. Remember to get in contact. <laughs> you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message. Wonderful. You can find Millie Bell at Dumpty Dum. That's at Dumpty Dum, all one word. Angela is at. At Angela Barnes. Not too difficult to remember. Yeah. And I can be found at Naked Fingers. Excellent. And, and if Thank I, you very can much. I, can I do a little plug before we go, do you think? Because go on, yeah, I've got yeah, some shows yeah. coming up. I'm, I'm still um, touring my show, Rose Tinted, which has been on tour now for most of this year, but there's still a few dates left. And there are tickets left for the show at Comedia in Brighton on the 23rd of October. Um, and also I will be on the... Uh, first i believe of november certainly that weekend the first and second of november i am in uh, st Austell in cornwall on the friday and on the saturday i will be in dartmouth and i am also doing a show at chichester festival um at, at the chichester festival theater but it's actually at their festival if that makes sense so um okay. tickets yeah. are available via my website it's angelabarnescomedy.co.uk and i would love to see you there and if you if you are a dumpty dumber uh, do come and say hello afterwards give me a tweet let me know you're coming and it'd be nice to meet you yeah do tell you what do do go and say hello to angela because you know despite what everyone else says she's really lovely <laughs> cheers mate <laughs> You are. It was so lovely. I mean, it was the first time we'd actually spoken at length, apart from over o- over the airwaves. And um, I felt a bit bad because I realised that we, we were nattering together for most of the night in the corner. I think we should have, uh, we should have mingled, uh, really. But anyway. Well, I, I, had, I used the dog as my excuse. I did have a dog on my lap for most of the year. But I think we got to meet most of the people that came along and um, we'll have to do another yeah. one. Yeah, there were lots of people. Yeah. There were lots of people there. Definitely do another one. Now that I know how to get to Brighton <laughs> and back in one piece. And it's only £51 on the train from Gee Oxford. Whiz. How do they do it and make a profit, these train companies, eh? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? And that's got a, there's a free underground ticket with that well, as well. That's like a travel card thing. Blimey. Yeah. Blimey. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. All right, then. Thank you very much, Angela. Thank you. See you next week. See you next Bye, week. Bye, folks. Bye. Cheerio. 
and 365 day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.